politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for what matters in the way it matters. And most importantly, at the time it matters, now is the time for action here at CR Podcast. Your host, Daniel Horowitz, back today for Wednesday, the 8th of March. And speaking of timing, I was out yesterday, so I didn't get a chance to comment on the revelations from the videos that Tucker Carlson put out on January 6th, which, of course, are really nothing new to this audience because we knew this for two freaking years with certitude. It wasn't like speculation. We had all these details. And yet, as always, a day late, a dollar short. But it's worse than that. It's years late and trillions short. Either trillions of dollars spent on something Millions of lives cost for a lie. And then still, it's, it's short. Meaning even after there's a recognition, not only is the Republican Party wrong on everything that matters, COVID, January 6th, BLM, Ukraine, the Ohio you know, train derailment, same thing. But even once there's so-called a, you know, revelations, there's some sort of... Um, I wouldn't say catharsis, but some sort of awareness, awakening, there's still no direction for action and outcome. So what are you going to do with it? So the half of the party in the movement that's even worse is still denying it. And, you know, like that's represented by Mitch McConnell. And they're still on the wrong side because they're the enemy. And then the better half is just like, well, but the Democrats type of thing. With no sense of direction. It's funny, my, my, my dad mentioned to me he just finished The Rise of the Fourth Reich, and he loved the book. He was going through all the witnesses, and he said he absolutely loved that last chapter put at the end where you know we made everyone mad and angry, and then we gave chapter and verse very specific policy outcomes that you know could have been 100% achievable in half the states had we had a movement in place and... Sadly, this term, we implemented very few of them. Hopefully, Florida and Texas will end the session strong. Uh, Maybe we'll get to that today or certainly later this week. So I want to start off a little bit with this January 6th stuff. First, folks, you need to learn how to defend yourself. Um, I know we're all into the Second Amendment, but few of us are into practicing the Second Amendment. Rick Green, um, he was once a legislator in Texas before he started Patriot Academy. He felt the same way. He was in the chamber fighting for Second Amendment. And he was like, wait a minute, I don't even know how to draw from the holster. I don't know how to win a gunfight. What if you were called upon to be that person in the church, in a store, with someone coming in, opening fire, and you're called upon to sweep your garment, drive down on that gun, deliver the proper five-point draw and get your two shots to the chest or one to the head or as many as it takes to get that perpetrator down and neutralized. Not an easy thing, but when you are done with our five-day training course at Patriot Academy, the best constitutional defensive handguard course, you will have the ability to hone in on your marksmanships, your skills, your proper uh, holster draw, safety awareness, 
clearing malfunctions, and how to win a gunfight. We study the Constitution at night. We're on the range all day. Patriot Academy now has their own um, campus where they're hosting this with their own structured program. I will be there at the inaugural program on the 23rd, 23rd of April, so that's uh, really just a month and a half from now. I made my tickets, by the way, to San Antonio. Uh, it's in Fredericksburg, Texas, 500 bucks for the course if you go to patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. Spots are limited, so make sure you register today. You'll get to see me. You'll get to see other members of this audience strategize together. If you do have any questions about the logistics, you could email one of Rick's sons at defense, defense at patriotacademy.com. Again, look for all the details at patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. Hope to see you there in person. So, folks, here we are, two years into a thousand people being raided, people who did nothing wrong, having their lives terrorized in the worst cases, held without bail for almost two years, people facing 20 years in prison. Obviously, we knew from day one it was an FBI setup. There were too many details there. Um, there, again, there's nothing new in these videos about Ray Epps or the this Charmin, the guy with the horns that was allowed to parade around. It made no sense. This whole thing was obvious from day one. They lied. They made st- stuff up. But the question is, so, so, so first off, how much longer are we going to continue a Republican Party and a fake conservative movement that buys into this nonsense every time it happens, and then it takes two years to get them to come around. Remember, Kevin McCarthy is a big hero now, but he spoke passionately about January 6th at the time, and and and, and even until fairly recently. It was only when he knew he had to win a tough speaker's fight that he changed on this issue. We can't afford that. We can't afford being late on every single civilization-changing issue. But then even after recognizing the problem, which this is a rare circumstance where you have video footage, you know, live by videos, die by videos, so we were able to release them, but often we don't have that degree of evidence, so it's hard to even move the needle. And then finally, even after having all of that, what are they going to do with it? Do you know that they plan on arresting another thousand people? Often people weren't even there. What are we going to do about that? That's what bothers me. There's no effort to say, wait a minute. We are going to, on the, on the budget bill this year, we will block any funding for January 6th prosecutions. I don't want to hear about debt numbers in the abstract. It's the quality and the harm of that spending that matters more in this debt ceiling fight. And this is one of them. This is one of them. We need to bring an issue to the brink. You don't just like talk about in the abstract, oh, look what the Democrats did. They lied about this. They lied about that. Yeah, we know that. But now what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do to bring this to the brink? Just like, we know the truth about COVID now. We know the truth about the people in Ohio being in danger. We know the truth about Ukraine being a scam, and everyone realizes it's a problem. But what are you going to do policy-wise, legally, to bring it to the brink? With actual outcomes. Again, the prosecutions need to be defunded. And the states. 
if we had a normal cadre of Republican governors, 25 governors would get together and say, we are working together to work against any federal operation within our states to arrest new people and raid their homes for January 6th. Now that we know this whole thing was a setup. It's unbelievable. So there's that. And then also there's another observation I had too. Keep in mind, even the degree of reawakening we have more embodied through the House Republicans, right? The Senate Republicans downright still support it. As witnessed by Mitch McConnell's comments earlier this week. But even most of the House members, let's face it, the only reason this issue is getting more play than, for example, vaccine injury and COVID fascism is because it wasn't just the people, their lives were on the line as well. Because, you know, the Democrats and the legal system was starting to go after their people. They didn't care when Professor John Eastman was getting hung for simply giving legal advice. But this was a case where all the Republicans who voted in the direction that the protesters wanted were now by proxy being criminalized for their political position. So they were being roped in. Heck, even Lindsey Graham was being roped into this. So that's the only reason why they even care about this. And then there's the other issue, too, which is which are the judges. And I know Julie Kelly mentioned this. The fact that the judges knew this all along. You know, the, these videos, there's nothing new about them. I've been speaking to the lawyers for January 6th defendants. They had this all the time. The, some of these videos were played in front of the juries in trials like Richard Barnett. And it didn't matter. It didn't phase the jury. didn't phase the judge. They knew this all along, and they continued to go along with it. Because welcome to the Fourth Reich. We live in a, in a country where there is no law and order. The law and order is that their political outcomes, objectives prevail. See, the left isn't like our side that they just like to score political points on Twitter. They actually want outcomes, and they will achieve them. Through any means. The Constitution is dead. Every clause of it is dead. You have one side doing whatever it wants. Their legislatures, their congressmen, their senators, their president, their executive agencies, and their judges. They have one set of rules. We win, you lose. There's no law. It's been that way for a while. But what, what are we going to do about it? Just talk about it aimlessly. We have a bunch of aimless, soulless, so-called conservative leaders guiding us. They're aimless. There's no mission. They're soulless. Because they'll only focus on something when it's convenient. We don't have a leadership to focus on the issues when it matters in the way it matters. It's always late. Often years late. And just even once you have that reawakening, it's not really a reawakening because we're headed nowhere. We're, he we're totally headed nowhere. Now, one way you could have a reawakening in your own life 
is to stop investing in BlackRock and Vanguard and put your money in something that is actually of value. That's why I recommend diversifying with gold, with Birch Gold. In times of high uncertainty, instability, and endless, endless inflation, gold is the king and dependable. Uh, one of the things that Birch specializes with, which is right now, a lot of you are working on your taxes. Um, I just uh, utilized their free info kit. I texted Daniel to 989898. Birch will give you an, you know, no obligation free info kit on how to convert your IRA or 401k into precious metal. So I owed money to the IRS um, that you know wasn't taken out of out of my salary. And I always like owing money at the end of the year because that way I could do what I want with it rather than they automatically take it out and then dole it out. So I believe for this year you could you could donate up to and per spouse. So you and your spouse could each put in sixty five hundred to an IRA, for example. Um, I believe that's higher, maybe seventy five hundred if you're over fifty. I'm not over fifty yet, uh, so that's a lot of money um, times two for your spouse. Why not put it into something of value? Don't put it into the stock market with a better business bureau rating of A+, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews. You can trust Birch today by texting Daniel to 989898. So folks, if there is one story I, I, I could give over to you that represents what America is, what America has become, not what you want it to be, not the nostalgia of what we wish it would be, but the reality of what it is. This article by Daniel Greenfield in Front Page Mag. We've had him on a few times years ago. Great guy, original reporting. BLM rioters get $6 million because cops didn't wear face masks. Folks, that, my friends, is the America we live in. As you watch the news on... January 6th and what happened with them and you juxtapose to these people. And by the way, you right now you have rioting going on in, in Atlanta, left and right. Um, it's been going on for a while, while destroying police um, property and all sorts of things. None of them are being charged with 230, whatever it is, 230 A3 violations, um, disrupting law enforcement, insurrection, none of this stuff. But anyway, New York City... 450 businesses were destroyed. They're rioting forever. Um, and But one small business owner in the Bronx complained that it would hardly even begin to cover $200,000 in damages to her store after rioters smashed glass displays and medical equipment everywhere. But New York City instead, instead of paying those people, they're going to pay the rioters $21,500 to each protester. Can you imagine the guys smashing stuff? Not only are they not held, you know, without bail for two years and facing 20 years in prison, but guess what? Each of them are getting $21,500 for a total of $6 million in payouts. And this has been described as the largest payout for mass arrests in American history. And they're alleging that police officers responding to protests frequently failed to wear masks or to assist detained protesters in covering their noses and mouths and on occasion even forcibly removed protesters' masks. I, I can't even go on and read this, but you, know, you could read this at Front Page Mag. BLM riders get $6 million because cops didn't wear 
face masks. That is the America we live in. It's not a two-tiered system. That is fascism. Okay, you're just not in their system. And a couple of things I wanted to point out before we kind of get back to this outcomes-based approach that we need, not a political, commentating, thumb-sucking, pontificating approach. Politics is an end to itself. But I want to touch on national divorce. There's this guy, Vivek, I, I can't pronounce his last name, but this guy running, running as an interesting, fresh face, a ton of money, and, you know, he's kind of like a soundbite machine, saying all the right things. But I do wonder where he's coming from. And he's been saying a lot of the right things. He's running for president. He was on Steve's show. Been all over the place. And he put out this video of himself, you know, really passionately opposing national divorce. And I heard him repeat it again and again. And I'm, I'm really wondering why he's so into this, but uh, take a listen right here. So this concept of a national divorce has come up increasingly. And I'll tell you the thing that made me sad is if there's one thing that Marjorie Taylor Greene has said that most of her opponents agree with most, it was her call for that national divorce. Now, she's since clarified what she meant, but put that put her comments to one side. Let's just talk about this idea. The more we talk about a divorce, whether it's in a marital relationships or whether it's in a relationship among citizens, the more likely it is to happen. But why is that? Why are we talking about it now? We've always been a divided, diverse democracy. What's causing it to come up now? It has to do with the issue that I have been focused on for the last three years of my life. That is the politicization of our economy and corporate America itself. That's a big part of it. Because you know what, Alexis de Tocqueville, he traveled this country, what, some 160 odd years ago. He made an observation, which is that a diverse, divided democracy is not supposed to stand for more than a couple of generations. It can only exist, he said, if there are certain intermediary institutions that hold us together across our differences that are kept apolitical. And you know what number one on that list is? is actually our system of free market capitalism in America. That is the apolitical sphere that's our glue that binds us together, the baseball stadiums of this country, the football stadiums of this country, the workplaces of this country where people come together, regardless of whether they're black or white or even Democrat or Republican, with some sense of common purpose. That is the last best chance for a divided society to stand. And so everything that we talk about relating to the ESG movement or stakeholder capitalism or woke capitalism, these aren't just theoretical concepts. That's actually what gets us to the doorstep of a national divorce. And I say the more we depoliticize the private sector, the more likely we are to find common cause as Americans. So again, that was Vivek. And a couple of things to, to point out here. He is so wrong about the left agreeing with it. He's like, the left agrees with Marjorie Taylor Greene. Actually, Vivek, no, they don't. Rasmussen just came out with a poll that more than twice as many people on the right, which is almost half of the GOP voters, want national divorce as opposed to to the left. The left doesn't want national divorce because they don't need it. The government and legal system and culture is swimming along with their preferred outcomes. They're the incumbents. They're enjoying it. We're the ones that are getting crushed and need a solution. Then he talks about that we've always been divided. Okay, that's true. 
Um, we've always been divided, but no, my friend, not quite like this. Where you're literally from one end to another, you could riot and kill people and loot and burn, and you're a hero, and you get payouts, but then, and, and that was not the first payout, by the way. There's been some in Minneapolis as well. This was the first one, I think, for not, you know, mask wearing. Um, and then, you know, people that just merely walked into the Capitol, which is a public building, gave a speech and left, are thrown in jail. You cannot bridge that divide, my friend. And then he goes on to talk, if you heard him, he then goes on to almost make the case. He's like, you know, and what was preventing this was the fact that we had this intermediary of the private sector, but now that's been taken over. Exactly. That's our point. So we need national divorce. Well, you're making the case for it. And then when he tweeted out that video, he wrote, we can't have national divorce because we'll lose our constitution. And I just jumped out of my seat when I saw it. What do you mean we'll lose our constitution? We did lose it. That They're living in this fake nostalgia. Oh, man. We got to, like, have this sunny Reagan optimism. We... That was 40 years ago. That's over. Now, again, understanding national divorce properly, it doesn't mean pressing a button and you have a new country because we don't even have the ability to do that. It means joining with us in these legislative sessions and making the red states red and passing these interposition bills and you do it synergistically, you do it emphatically, you build and build and build and you'll get there. The left already has national divorce. We need to do the same thing. So I don't know why this Vivek guy is so... Like, I'm, I'm always suspicious of people that are more emphatic about saying why they oppose our solution than actually giving us an equal alternative. Okay, so what's your solution? I really wonder what his game is here and why he's so passionately speaking out against it. But... The point is, it just to me, it's an IQ test. If you're if you're the type of guy, oh Daniel, I don't want to do anything drastic because I might harm our constitution. Okay, you, you just don't get it. I guess it's not. I guess it hasn't gotten bad enough. I guess it's got to get worse, and that's the ultimate lesson here. The fact that we have the luxury of dealing with all these existential crises. I'm talking about the basics of our humanity, of our our justice. You can't live with equal, without equal justice. Each one of these things is a kill shot on our ability to exist as free people and even people at all. And yet they're still focused on somehow we, we you know, it might be hanging by a thread, but we still have a constitution. No, we don't. You clearly don't get it. What we need to discuss is outcomes. Actual outcomes. And one thing I can guarantee you, you'll have good outcomes with products that endorse this show, such as Better Spectacles, America's only conservative eyewear company. They offer authentic Rodenstock eyewear, the 144-year-old German company that is the world's gold standard for eyewear. Um, don't go with progressive companies. Go with the only conservative company selling progressive eyewear. Um, how do they do it? They have something called biometric intelligence glasses or big. They give you a seamlessly natural experience. Um, it, it makes you think smarter because your vision is the key to your brain. That's the 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 headlights of your of your brain. Um, it gives me my sharpest vision at all distance. Everyone in my family is severely nearsighted, and the more I sit in front of a screen and read and read and read and research, the more it gets bad. Um, I was always told that. 
hey, when you stop growing, your uh, eyesight will stop getting worse. And boy, did I stop growing early, and my eyesight still hasn't gotten, uh, still still hasn't stopped getting worse. But if you want what I have, go to betterspectacles.com slash conservative to schedule a teleoptical appointment today. You don't even have to leave your home. Don't settle with your eyesight. Go big with biometrical Intel glasses from Better Spectacles. You get 61% off their progressive eyewear plus free handcrafted Rodenstock frames uh, by going to betterspectacles.com slash conservative. That's betterspectacles.com slash conservative. Great eyeglasses changes lives. Okay, so outcomes. Yesterday was the state of the state address where DeSantis uh, opened up the legislative session for Florida Why on earth does Florida have to start so late? It's really annoying because I wish they started early so that we could pressure other states to act, but we'll be covering their legislative session. He said in his address, we defied the experts, we bucked the elites, we ignored the chatter, we did it our own way, the Florida way, and the result is that we are the number one destination for our fellow Americans who are looking for a better life. Working together, we have met big challenges and we've led the nation on many big issues. We don't make excuses. We don't complain. We just produce results. And again, no man's perfect. You can always find things that need to be done better, and he's looking to listen to that. But you compare to every other governor, every other senator, where's the close second? We love to complain And then we love to make excuses. And that brings me to the big man, the excuse man. Everything Trump did is everyone else's fault. He was only present. He is the toughest guy. He's going to change everything. We can't even breathe without the man. Oh, and then everything that happens is not his fault. Well, Fauci tricked him. Burks tricked him. Okay, why didn't you fire them? Well, I don't know. It was just too scary to do it. By the way, per the documents in the Dominion lawsuit on Fox News... Um, they're claiming the document state we're all that Tucker said we're all pretending we got a lot to show for it because admitting what a disaster it's been is too tough to digest. But come on, there really isn't an upside to Trump. Supposedly, Tucker said that, and credit to him, Tucker has done a lot more for our cause than Trump. In my mind, he's the much, much bigger fish. Doesn't surprise me that he kind of gets the game with Trump. We, we all like tiptoe around. Oh, we did so many amazing things. If you remember, and I'm not going to relitigate all the, you know, you could go back and look at every column I wrote, hundreds of them when he was president, thousands of them, um, all the shows we did, and we covered it day to day. And the reality is, name me one enduring thing from his presidency. With Obama, despite getting crushed with two midterms and then Trump eventually became president, Obamacare's signature legislation is here to say destroyed healthcare forever. It really gave rise to COVID fascism. Couldn't have fully happened without Obamacare. Couldn't have fully happened. You know, it's just so absurd. I can't think of any good thing. Every single budget bill he signed blew out the budget of Every weaponized agency worse than under Obama. Immigration, we had the worst border flow under him and the fewest deportations under Trump. That's a fact. Crime, when it was rising, 
you know, the 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 even before you get to the BLM stuff, it was rising already. We were reversing that two-decade trend. And rather than fulfilling his campaign promise, he joined with literally the armpit of what everyone says is the Koch brothers and Soros and globalists, the worst element supporting criminal justice reform. And he let them out. Jared Kushner was essentially president. And then, of course, you got to May 2020 with BLM. And throughout all of history, whenever we had riots, there was always one day where things got out of control. And then all of law enforcement was like, holy smokes, we can't let this go on. And it was brought under control. This was the first time it went on day after day, week after week, almost for a month before Trump even acted on anything. And then finally, eventually, you know, called up the guard, but only to D.C. And it was because of the coke related staffers running his domestic policy like Brooke Rollins that that to this day she runs the America First think tank to this day open borders pro criminal oh Mr. Trump you have to pander to the get the black vote oh no you can't come out with a heavy handed response it's literally like he he says one thing and does the it's not like he doesn't do it he does the exact opposite he excels at the exact opposite. You know, another thing that I, I mentioned before is forgotten a couple months before COVID. And, and this really burned me out if you're, so those of you who remember, I was almost planning on leaving before COVID, just finding another line of work. I just couldn't take it anymore. Just no one cared about policy outcomes. So what happened was we had this craziness, if you remember, this Saudi pilot that we have this program where we bring in Saudis and Egyptians and Turks and we train them on our Air Force bases to be pilots. Because, of course, it's in our interest to have amazing Egyptian, Turkish, and Saudi pilots. Okay, this is the type of garbage that is going on. And not only do we have it, but it turned out that this guy um, who, who shot up the joint killed some of our airmen at the Pensacola uh, Naval Base or Air Base. So what happened was that our government knew about this guy's social media postings. He was a total jihadist. So it wasn't just like, okay, the lack of vetting for general immigration. He was being let into a sensitive fighter pilot program, and he was posting jihadist stuff online. That was the big controversy and Trump had two big decision points that people like myself on the right were bringing to his attention okay two big decision points one of them was well let's shut down this entire stupid Saudi program right you're gonna you're gonna shut it down even the left was goading him into doing it. They were making fun of it. Ha ha, what, you're not going to do it now? Because back then, Kushner was kind of forging these, these agreements with Saudi Arabia. So the left was kind of like goading it. Hey, are you going to gum up the works with that? You know, and actually fulfill your MAGA promise. And Esper, who was his globalist, I mean, and, and this was his second one. Late into the term, his, his defense secretary, he announces we're doubling the program. I, I, I mean, that's when I just, like, I, I lost it back then. This was December 
2019, a couple months before COVID. I mean, COVID was already there, but before the regime on March 16th, and we're obviously coming up on that deadline, that three-year anniversary. Um, But that was number one. And then we had the issue of carrying guns on bases. So Trump actually campaigned on that. You know, in 2016, he was like, dude, this is insane that our own soldiers can't carry um, weapons on bases? Like, what the heck? What is that? What's going on here? And and, and by the way, just, just before that, just to go back to the Saudi thing, another article I wrote at the time was, there was one country that was notoriously left out of the travel ban. If you remember the Muslim, the so-called Muslim country travel ban was Saudi Arabia. And I was like, you got to add Saudi Arabia to it. But again, we didn't even add the add them to the ban on being in the, the, the military. It was crazy. Military training programs. But anyway, Trump promised to allow that. So this was the perfect example because a guy came in. We have a foreign Saudi brought on to our bases while our soldiers on our bases on our soil were denuded of the right to carry a firearm in the military. This was well into Trump's presidency. And again, the military was not fixed. Got worse and worse. But this was the perfect opportunity. I mean, the, the press release wrote itself. And no, he declined to do it. Was brought up. And the military commanders, the base commanders, like, no, we don't want it. And Trump was like, okay. I mean, I'm just giving you a smattering of this. We could go back and spend four years replaying the last, you know, those four years. But I'm not understanding. Like, look, I mean, I'm a religious Jew. You know, so of all people, this thing of building the embassy in Jerusalem, recognizing that that's the capital, I, I'm all for that. But, like, really, that's his big accomplishment that he built some brick and mortar in Jerusalem? Like, really? that That's the whole thing? Oh, and he approved the Keystone Pipeline, which got countermanded. I understand that was Biden came in. But notice how nothing is enduring. And, again, that was a nothing. Any president would have done that. Any Republican president would have done that. That was a consensus issue. Even Mitch McConnell supports that. I'm asking you, what has endured from his presidency. I could show you a lot of negative things that have endured. Obviously, all of the biomedical security state and COVID fascism. Crime, immigration, budget. I'm, I'm just, I'm not understanding this. I'm not understanding. There was a lot, the, the problem is there's a lot of confusion because he throws up a lot of dust and makes a lot of noise. So everyone thinks, oh my gosh, you know, he did this, he did that because he's talking about it forever. But then he does the opposite. Again, compare it to, uh, you know, DeSantis's speech. We have rejected the biomedical security state in Florida, have provided protections for Floridians against unwanted medical interventions, but those protections are set to expire in July. It's important that we make all these protections permanent protections for medical authoritarianism. Medical authoritarianism should not have an expiration date in the free state of Florida. We also need to protect the free speech rights and conscience rights of physicians. The medical establishment whiffed an awful lot during COVID 
and, phys- and physicians who follow the evidence should not be penalized simply because they buck a stale consensus. Name me one other person doing this. You know what would truly be change? Not Trump. There's nothing to change. That's what we're dealing with now. There's talk about RFK Jr. running for the Democrat Party nomination. And it's a brilliant move. See, typically, we don't have representation in either party. Imagine having a scenario where you have representation in both, even the Democrat Party. And I know, obviously, we're not going to agree with RFK on every issue. But I will tell you, on the core issues, I will tell you right here, right now, if you put up a ballot in front of me, RFK versus Trump, I don't need to tell you what I'd vote. Let me know your thoughts. Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. Do you agree or disagree? Hypothetically, if you had RFK, the man has a heart and he, and he believes in getting things done, all the good work he does at Children's Health Defense Fund, food, the WEF, biomedical fascism. I mean, on all the key issues, he's there. He is there. If he runs, that would be amazing. I would love to see that. Now, I know a lot of you are going to think, well, there's no way he can get anywhere in a Democrat primary. And yeah, I mean, it's hard to see how he wins, but I think he would pick up a lot more support than you think. Because there are a lot of Democrats that are kind of like these wild-eyed people, like kind of the Bernie supporters. Oh, I hate the corrupt big corporation. But except Bernie is actually a part of that. RFK would channel that in a, in a real way. And that would help elevate Elevate our issues in the Republican primary, having him yelp about it in the Democrat primary. So I think to me that would be one of the most exciting um, developments. Having him run in the Democrat primary and DeSantis run the Republican primary, that would elevate our issues. Because I'll tell you, they're not going to be elevated with the status quo. And by the way, that's, that's kind of our program here. March 16th, which should be Nuremberg Day, to send a copy of Rise of the Fourth Reich to Mar-a-Lago so Trump gets the message that we're sick of rhetoric. We want outcomes, outcomes. I'm sick of aimless, soulless Republicans that even after we fully recognize the problem with something, we still haven't done anything about it. It's like, even with Ukraine... Again, same thing. The Senate Republicans totally pedaled to the metal. Biden didn't do enough. And even a lot of the House Republicans. We, we played that clip on Monday from uh, Rogers from Alabama. Alabama. The House Armed Services Committee chair. Biden's not doing enough for Ukraine. But even the ones that are like suspicious, yeah, we need some oversight. Not oversight. The corruption in Ukraine is insane. And it's worse than anything Putin has ever done. Even if we had all the money in the world, we shouldn't be doing that. And instead, we should be investigating what exactly is our government trying to protect and cover up there. We forget about this. And, and, and like, for example, today, what do you call it? Um, today, the House Oversight Subcommittee on Coronavirus is ho- hosting its first uh, hearing on the origins of COVID. And again... The issue is not Wuhan. The issue is that DARPA 
and all sorts of DOD agencies, Defense Threat Reduction Agency being one of them, they're doing this all around the world and not just coronavirus, but many others to this day. And they're in the process of manufacturing very soon more viruses, more vaccines that are poison. What are you going to do about it? Stop being aimless and focusing on the wrong thing, even when information comes out. A year after the revelation of the biolabs, somehow there's no understanding of like, hey, you know, what, what's going on there? Wuhan, Wuhan, Wuhan. But dude, what, what are these Ukrainian biolabs? So there's a piece in Science and Technology Center in Ukraine's 2016 annual report. It recounts an October 2016 meeting. October 2016. So this was when Obama was still president. Biden was in charge of that part of the world for the State Department. The meeting was between U.S. military officials and the Ukrainian counterparts together with Black and Veatch. That's that, it's a Missouri-based contractor that set up the biolabs and Metabiota, which is the biotech company that runs it and works together with EcoHealth Alliance with the Wuhan lab as well to discuss the lab work. The discussion centered around existing frameworks, regulatory coordination, and ongoing cooperative projects in research, surveillance, and diagnostics of a number of dangerous zoonotic diseases such as avian influenza and other things like Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever Wait a minute. Notice we have an outbreak of avian flu. Very interesting. Seems to be jumping zoonotic viruses that jump to humans. In 2019, there was a paper authored by Metabiota researchers and three Ukraine-based institutes, and it was funded by the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, sharing how they isolated a form of African swine flu using a pig from Ukraine in 2016. They also did a research on anthrax in animals in Ukraine. Now, with that in mind, I want you to consider the following statement from Nathan Wolf. Nathan Wolf is the CEO of Metabiota, you know, has ties to uh, Hunter Biden. He wrote an article, you could look it up to this day, Nathan Wolf article in Time Magazine, August 1st, 2014. So back then, Metabiota was running the um, government's Ebola response in, in Western Africa. And you read what he wrote then, commenting on Ebola. It's scary. This is from 2014. While Ebola virus won't be the next global Andromedia strain, there are viruses out there that could be coronavirus like SARS and influenza viruses like H1N1, for example, show that some viruses truly can spread around the world in ways that will blindside and impact our entire planet. It is notable that a novel coronavirus, MERS, and a novel influenza, H7N9, receive very little attention from the international media. Perhaps as importantly, there are millions of still undefined viruses in animal reservoirs among which almost certainly, almost certainly is a virus that we'd have no capacity to understand or stop were to suddenly emerge. <laughs> I mean, 
again, folks, this is what everyone's missing. Oh, it's a lab leak. It's not from a bat market. It's a, it's a lab leak. But now that you know it's not natural. See, if it's natural, you could just say these guys, you know, they're in the business of pandemic insurance. By the way, that's what Metabiota does. They sell pandemic insurance. And they're just good at knowing the science of, you know, when there's ticking time bombs in nature. But, you know, everyone agrees now it wasn't nature. It was literally synthetic and it was leaked. So once you know that, then all the comments from Nathan Wolf and Ralph Barrick and Peter Daszak literally throughout, you know, kind of that 2014 to 2016 timeframe predicting exactly what ultimately happened. How would they have known that you're going to have a lab leak? And if you would know, you try to stop it, right? You know, let's put in safety. No, because it's a pandemic. This is the point that all these Republicans are missing. They're treating it like, oh, it's kind of dangerous. You see things could happen. It could leak. No, it wasn't by accident. It was on purpose. It's not just coronavirus. It's many more. And it's not just Wuhan. It's all over the place. And it's not just a bunch of NGOs and Fauci funding it. It's our entire defense department doing this everywhere. But really, the epicenter, more than anything, is Ukraine. So it's not such a coincidence why our government is obsessed with defending its prerogatives. Because even if you don't believe in what I believe in, and somehow you buy into this notion that we have to fight Putin at all costs, but it just still, it's, it's not proportionate. Why this degree of obsession? But I think we all know why this degree of obsession. So my point is, where is the effort of the Republican Party to pass a bill immediately banning all gain of function by any American NGO or government agency on our soil or overseas. Why can't we have a bill like that? Isn't that like the simple bill you would expect? We're not even talking about banning vaccines. Just, just no gain of function. Swift criminal penalties. And there's no immunity if you're a government official engaging in this. We could target you, an individual DARPA employee or BARDA employee. Where's that bill? Why is that not universally supported? How could Democrats get away with opposing something like that? The public would clamor for support for something like that. We're just going to focus on the origins of the Wuhan lab. So now we're going to go over what, what we knew three years ago. Everything is three years behind. But that's no longer the point. The Wuhan lab is no longer the point. Always, always late on every single issue. And then even when we finally so-called understand and observe the truth, oh, you know, let's get distracted with the latest political point to score. Not about an actual outcome, civilization outcome, change in policy. Never matters. So anyway, this is a good time, I think, to segue just last couple minutes here into COVID-related stuff, again, how the fight is not over with. I don't even know how to say this. I'm at a loss of words that we know every day this thing is killing so many people. And yet, it's not only the fact that we haven't stopped it, but they're continuing it. And there's no focus. So like, oh, yeah, you see, Fauci funded. The thing. I, I get that. They're continuing this. And, and let me give you a perfect example. I'm trying to dig this up here from Fortune magazine. Moderna eyes human testing of monkeypox bird flu vaccine this year. 
The company is exploring messenger RNA vaccines for a number of such pathogens. President Stephen Hogue said Monday in an interview, Moderna expects to advance its vaccines for monkeypox and bird flu to clinical trials after completing initial work on it. Now, so that's phase one. We know RSV is coming down right away. Several versions from uh, Pfizer, Moderna, and GSK. But they're working on monkeypox and bird flu. Why would you do that? Shot against monkeypox would be valuable in case uh, outbreaks reemerge. And the company sees bird flu as a clear threat. Moderna could perform early clinical trials just to show the candidates are safe, potentially effective without advancing them through late-stage studies. I mean, that's the thing. You think, oh, yeah, you know, I don't have to worry about that. It's just starting phase one. Hey, no, they'll be done in a few months. From that point on, it isn't clear whether the vaccine candidates would stay in Moderna's pipeline to go through final studies later, or if governments would just license and stockpile the shots based on early data. (laughs) So, I mean, they're continuing this right out in the open. And again, where is the clamor? The direction from every Republican pundit should be state legislatures need to immediately ban mRNA. And I don't care. Oh, we're past the legislative funnel deadline. You know what? You could easily take a a shell bill and go and tack this onto that bill and ban mRNA vaccines in the state. Again, I don't want to hear this. Oh my gosh, we might win 2024. Think of think of the 2024 election as like a Candyland board game. And it's like, what's that castle at the end of the uh, the end of the journey? Oh man. Okay, so let's just say you get a Republican president of some sort with a Republican House, and maybe you'd get a Republican Senate in in you know officially people with an R next to their name, but we'd all agree you'd have like an 80-20 liberal majority. But you have all these states with trifecta supermajorities. You have that right now. Why is this not being done? Why is there no calling on this and every other issue? And if they're, they've finished their session, I know West Virginia is about to finish, Wyoming finished, they're done. Two months, we're out. The governors should be pressured to call them back into session and ban it. Or at least, again, fully fortify legislation against all mandates, which in most states is not the case. Certainly not in healthcare settings, but often even elsewhere. So there's no effort to deal with this. The more information comes out, still we're not directed. Just just like we talked about with East Palestine. Everyone knows it's a problem now, but still no one's calling for the specific action of a supplemental appropriation bill to have FEMA pay for them to move out for, you know, two months with the option of it being extended. Nothing. Because outcomes do not matter. Outcomes do not matter. There's a ton more on on COVID data We'll get to that a little bit later in the week. I know the week is going by fast. Just want to talk about some quick legislation. Um, Texas is starting to heat up now. Senator Bob Hall, we've had, had him on before. He has a bunch of important bills. Is Texas SB 297. It's kind of an omnibus patient's bill of rights in hospitals. Um, there's SB 301 blocking 
um, m- making it that uh, basically uh, pharmacists cannot block ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine prescriptions, and medical boards cannot, you know, go after them for doing that or go after the doctors for prescribing that. We have an important bill, Bernie Yar- Yarbrough in Alabama, House Bill 31. It's an anti-discrimination in the workforce for vax, so you can never be denied a job for not getting a vaccine. Um, we have an interesting bill. We talked about this uh, two weeks ago, the blood the blood banks. I mean, this is a big problem. Montana House Bill 645 would make it uh, a criminal offense to donate blood after having had the vaccine or a long COVID or getting a long COVID diagnosis. Um, the, the idea is great. I just think I would draft it a little different rather than trying to criminalize the person. I'd make it on the issue more to require the blood banks and the hospitals that store these things and administer them to screen the blood out for spike protein. So we don't have to speculate whether you're a problem, you're a problem, COVID, shots, long COVID, whatever it is, make sure there's no spike protein in there. I mean, that should be a simple thing. Um, But again, in any other era, we would be doing this because it's vital to humanity. But doing so would, of course, presuppose that the shots could cause a problem, which, of course, they don't want to admit. Um, Also, there is... Senate bills 286 and 358 are our latest interposition bills, interposition bills in Missouri. SB 286 and 358, um, our team, Andre uh, Ong and his wife, um, they, Angela, uh, you know, Angela just sent me an email on this, so I, I was unaware of these bills percolating through the legislature. We do have a really good Missouri-based team now, so that's another state. We have about 14 of them up. And again, I wish I would have done this earlier, but but next session we will be ready, hit the ground when it's running. Um, and there's so many issues like this. I didn't even get to this today, but there's crime. There's so many good ideas on crime. Like one, one thing we need to push, I know my buddy Steve Marshall is the attorney general in Alabama. We've had him on the show before. Make it that any kid 15 or 16 and above that is found to commit an act of violence in furtherance of gang um, initiatives, you have to be tried as, a, as an adult. Anti-gang legislation, who could oppose that? I don't want to hear it in the abstract, oh, there's a lot of crime, the Democrats are causing crime. Okay, what are you, you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? We are all about outcomes here. Not prop, you know, propagating uh, talking points Endless, commentating as an end to itself. It's time to stop being aimless and soulless. Because if you really have a soul, and you really do care about the damage done by forthright policies, you won't just talk about it. But you will learn how to act. And that's what we're all about here. Acting on the right issues in the right way at the right time. Let me know your issues. What we need to cover, Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. Again, sorry for my absence yesterday, so we got a lot of ground to cover up. We will have a very special guest on if I can land it tomorrow. Very excited about this very important um, legal case going on having to do with the vaccines. Much more information to come. So you can find my articles, Conservative Review, The Blaze, at RM Conservative on Twitter. Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com is the email. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.